very unceremonious intro. It's very, very much less efficient. I'm going to go ahead and say we make sure Doug is the first one in from here on out. No, that was that was beautiful. I love looking at your face first, Doug. I'll do what I want. <laughs> I got to contain myself this episode. Uh, we're back, by the way. Big news in the trenches time. But the NFL Combine is happening right now, and we're not talking about it. Now, that might sound weird. Sound like a bold strategy. Um, here's the plan, though. We want to actually get through the entire Combine first before we talk about everything that's happened. So I know we just had, like, the fastest group of wide receivers in Combine history. Um, I know that Ohio State showed up in a big way. I'm very proud of the guys. I'm not talking about any of that today, okay? We're saving that for next week. <laughs> and uh, Can you hold off? I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to try. But we have a bunch right. of news to get through, and then we have something special that we wanted to do this episode, where basically Bug and Tug here are going to be going through every NFL team and talking about what they need this offseason. I think it'll be a good show. I think that we got Bug and Tug in studio making it happen. And I think it's going to be a good time for all involved. What do we say? Dude, let's get on into it. There's a lot of stuff to cover, and I am thoroughly excited. Let's do it, man. Nothing to it but to do it. That was very enthusiastic. I appreciate it. I just I don't understand why you're going to dangle the carrot about the NFL Combine. You know I'm then, excited about it. You're clearly excited about it. Yeah. Now nah, nah, we're we're gonna wait until next week. It's it's tough for us. I mean, Calvin Austin ran a four three two. It was pretty pretty cool. Thank you, thank you, Red You knew exactly where I was going with that. <laughs> really, one of the best workouts for a receiver this combine. Anyway, we're talking about that next week. This week, <laughs> we gotta get through some NFL news, man, because there's been a lot that's happened in this past week. Now that we're on a one a week format in the off season. There's a lot to talk about. So, Ali Marpet retired um, like a whole week ago at this point, but we still haven't been able to talk about it yet. So, this dude is legit. Everybody's been knowing that he's legit for several years at this point. The highest drafted player in Division Three football history. Right at number 61 overall in 2015. And finally made his first Pro Bowl this past season even though he's probably been playing at a Pro Bowl level for the past three, four years. What do you guys think about this move? Man, it's tough. He, I don't know what's going on. I, I didn't see the, the exact reasoning behind it. Um, it's it's got to be tough for him to step away from the game, playing at the level that he has been. And it's it's tough for the Bucks. It's tough for the NFL. It's, it's a huge loss across the board. I know I was... I think you actually beat me to putting it into the notes. That was something that caught my eye and definitely had me surprised more than anything that this this happened. Like it just it came out of nowhere. You hate to see something like this. I mean, I hope it's not, you know, an injury, a lingering injury, and that's what's, you know, taking him away from the game. But uh as it sits right now, I think we, we lost a great player too early. And I hey. That, that sounded very bad. We lost right. a great player for the game too early. Yeah. He got himself a ring. He got out of there. You know what? If that's all you wanted to do, I understand. You know, to some extent. 
not really risking be... risking plenty of injuries to keep playing. So gotta get it. Need to move on at some point. Might as well do it while you're still healthy. Uh, next one up, we have seen some exciting rumors about new broadcast teams. This is total speculation. I've heard absolutely nothing official from anyone about any of this, but it's fun enough that I wanted to talk about anyway. Apparently, there's some speculation that Sean Payton and Tom Brady may be teaming up as an announcer duo, either for Amazon or somebody else. Uh, that would be insane and probably a terrible move for everyone. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it'd be a terrible move. It's going to give you a lot better insight into the game itself. I mean, I, my note here is it's going to be Tony Romo round two, but but better. Uh, so if you're interested in the, the thought process, maybe not the prediction factor that Tony Romo comes on in with, uh, but the analysis of it, I think it's going to be spot on. You got two guys who made a living out of analyzing defenses and analyzing the game for 20 plus years. That's, that's fantastic. At the same time, I would say if you don't have a veteran announcer alongside them, that could get pretty rough. <laughs> We'll see what yeah, happens. Yeah, it's uh I could do without another Nostradamus in the box. Just let me enjoy the game. If only Tony Romo could read a defense in real life like he can in the box. I think he can. I think he doesn't have the fucking talent. Boom, roasted. I've no clue <laughs> how I was an NFL quarterback that long, but he was. I mean I wasn't, but Cowboys fans are in shambles right now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there is some new legislation in Congress right now that pertains to football, so we kind of got to talk about it. The No Tax Subsidies for Stadiums Act does exactly what it sounds like it does. would mean that teams basically have to privately fund their stadiums from now on. Now, I know, Tug, you wrote an entire paper about this for your graduate degree. <laughs> would you like to take a stab at this story? This is such a bad idea, uh, and you know Congress is serious because it doesn't have this weird acronym that it spells out. Um, usually it does, but... Well, this... I mean, some of the big bills we've seen passed recently have had acronyms, so... <laughs> but, I don't know. But when, when I'm looking at this, it completely neglects what different cities need, and they, they neglect that while... Yes, it's an investment that the city may or may not be joining on into. It's going to help build the city either way. It's going to help replenish downtown districts because it's going to attract more businesses. Uh, you know, it it's designed in such a way that, yeah, it's supposed to create tourist traps now. That's how this works, right? We want to bring people into the city. We want them to spend their money there. We want them to spend more time there. And the longer we can get them to stay, the better. And the stadiums, generally speaking, especially in these middle-of-the-road cities, like, I don't know, even in D.C., no one, you, you have a ton of tourists there going anyway, but that's where a lot of this is coming from, is from the uh, Washington Commanders' absolute fiasco for a stadium. But in a lot of these other cities, the stadium acts as the centerpiece. Like, if you go to Green Bay... You don't just visit Green Bay. You're going probably for a Packers game. You're going to see the stadium. You're going to see the history. Uh, 
I, I don't like this, and I also don't like that it's coming from the federal government because every state is different. Every city is different. They need the leverage and the leeway to be able to do what they want and what they need that's best for their city. Demo uh, Democrat, Republican, I don't care who you are. If you're from California, you can't tell me what we need in Rhode Island. That's just not how that works. Well, funnily enough, it was proposed by a group of California representatives. So <laughs> apparently they yeah, didn't like... The, the state that just half financed of right. five point some odd billion dollar project trying to tell everybody else they can't do it now. Yeah, it just sounds like they're a little bit salty. Yeah, rules <laughs> for the not for me. Keep, yeah. keep in mind that five point two billion dollar stadium that is gonna be the centerpiece of the twenty twenty four Olympics. Or I'm sorry, twenty twenty eight. Twenty twenty eight, right. Yeah, twenty twenty eight. Where are the twenty twenty four Olympics anyway? Paris. Ew, gross. Get out of here. Assuming World War Three isn't going on on the front door stuff again. I mean... Well, if it is, then the Russians are just hosting it. That's... Yeah, the IOC won't condemn them. Anyway, we're off topic yeah. here. Okay. Football time. <laughs> <laughs> um, we did have a couple of moves by the New Orleans Saints trying to get out of the cap hell they've created for themselves. Interesting to me that they restructured Ryan Ramchek's deal and Michael Thomas's deal. In order to create a little bit of wiggle room, they're still in the negative. But technically, they're making some progress, I guess. Good for them. Uh, gotta start somewhere, right? <laughs> if they can somehow get to even, I I will be impressed. With a fifth, with, with a what's it, 46 is the minimum roster size? If they can make it into week one under the cap with 46 players, I will be impressed. I mean, they're going to have to do something. So maybe it's a bunch of practice squad guys on minimums. Cap's more <laughs> oh, like a guideline. Good. I mean, come on. No, this yeah. isn't the MLB. In the base I mean, the MLB's not happening anyway. So. Right. Yeah. You're getting us off topic again. So come on. I'm trying to stay focused here. <laughs> Uh, we have some other potential cap casualties. I mean, Ryan Ramchek and Michael Thomas weren't cap casualties per se, but they had their contracts reworked in pretty major ways. There are some other contracts that we're looking at potentially really changing uh, here shortly, honestly. Uh, we're looking at the Cleveland Browns with Jarvis Landry. They could cut him and save, what, $14 million? Yeah, and that, that's expected to happen within the next uh, week or so. Staying on receivers, Amari Cooper would save the Cowboys like another $16 million. Also and, expected to happen with before the start of the new league year. And Cole Beasley. It's been a pretty prevailing rumor that Amari Cooper wasn't going to be back with the Cowboys next year. Yeah. Pretty much since they were eliminated from the playoffs. Which is wild to me, but at the same time, I understand some a little bit of a cap issue too. Like Amari Cooper has been great with the Cowboys. So I don't expect him to have too much trouble finding another job somewhere. Um, Cole Beasley has requested and has been granted the ability to seek a trade. That's so backwards to me, but you know, that would help Buffalo out quite a bit as well. Uh, any others you guys wanted to talk about here? That's kind of the big three at the moment. Yeah, those are the big three in the wide receivers. The only other one I'm going to add on, uh, and I don't even know if this is actually being explored, 
uh, but reports are coming out that Saquon's trade value is a lot lower than I expected to be, and I'd be willing to pay it. Uh, there, he's coming in at a fourth-round pick, according to a consensus survey taken at the Combine. Take that for what you will. I don't know how true it is, but just that those are the reports coming out. And the reason that's big is both for Cole Beasley and for Saquon Barkley, they both kind of bring their respective teams back to about even at the cap. Negative, you know, negative six figures, which in the NFL is you're not negative at that point. I mean, if you're telling me I can get Saquon Barkley for a mid-round pick, I'm doing that if I'm most teams. Facts. For a day three pick? For a day three pick, 100% going to take that. Oh, gosh. I'll give you a fourth and a fifth right now. Let's go. (laughs) Man. Okay. I mean, we'll see if it happens. I kind of doubt that it will. I didn't really have too much else to talk about with NFL news. We're going to spend a lot of time with the NFL here after we get out of our news section. But if we have anything else we want to talk about, Now's your chance before we get into some non-NFL Pro news. Hey, buddy. I am absolutely cap idiotic. I don't understand it. I don't try to understand it. It's more money than I'll ever know what to do with anyway. So uh, let's just move straight on to something I do understand (laughs) a little bit more. I I really want to give you the basic rundown of the cap, but that's just... I do not care. I was going to say that would just be rude anyway. Uh, let me pull this off your face here for a minute, Doug. Obviously, we're talking about the FCF. That's where we're going to start it out today. And the NF teams, as they have continued to be called and is being embraced by the FCF for some reason. See a little Ballers Collective logo there in the middle. But the uh, Gutter Cats team, they are the Kingpins. Their logo, actually pretty cool. I don't mind it. It looks like a little Lynx there with a crown. Maybe that's a football in the center on the crown. Uh, Board Apes Football Club looks a lot like the Board Apes Yacht Club logo, which is a Leatherhead helmet. Kind of a good look, in my opinion. Aoki looks about as uh, crazy as anything Steve Aoki is involved in. Makes me think it would look anyway. And, of course, the Knights of Degen, I honestly like the best. I would love to see that literally as any other team's logo as well you know the fcf by and large has been you know last year i don't know that any of those logos work uh with any other pro football organization nice of dgen i think it absolutely works uh outside of just the fcf got a real classic feel what are you guys kind of thinking when you see these i absolutely love the board a football club logo and i don't exactly know why it's simplistic but it looks good and i love everything about it Doug, nothing? I don't even know what to say, honestly. <laughs> these are these are very different. <laughs> yeah, and it's congrats on being unique. It's uh this isn't the uh those aren't the last four that we're gonna see coming out of the FCF either. Uh for those of you who haven't been following along with the FCF, I this just kind of popped up out of nowhere. Uh the wild aces are no more. They are currently being named Team X, the defending people's champions. 
Uh, they don't exist anymore as they used to. Uh, two of the owners, Greg and Barbara, they both left, and with them went the team name. I don't fully understand what happened there. I don't know if you guys had seen anything on this, but uh, go and vote on the FCF app and vote for your favorite fan-submitted name. I'm guessing they're probably going to get it down to four and then do a revote. Uh, currently, I think the Hot Shots was in the lead, and this was with you know everybody that submitted something that got vetted and passed through. So uh, I'm interested to see what the team name is going to be. The Wild Aces already, they were behind because the jersey redesign, they pretty much said, hey, all the options you gave us sucked. Give us new options. So already they've had to deal with that, and now they've got to deal with finding a completely new identity. It's March, guys. League starts in a little over a month. Uh, I'm going to tell and hope that the FCF is careful going with the hot shots. Just because, and I think this is what we mean by our next note here, you're, you can get into some very interesting trademark issues if you go with the hot shots, because I believe, what's, was it the AAF or the XFL? Yeah, it was, it was the Arizona hot shots of the AAF, and that cocksucker that bought the AAF, he owns the, uh, yep. owns the Carolina Hurricanes, and he, if he still holds the trademark, will definitely fucking sue over it. So, yep. Like you kind of said, the USFL, if anybody hadn't been following, uh, what blows my mind about all this is that the people that held the trademark most recently, because I list, actually listened to a video or watched the video, listened to it, whatever, however you want to look at it. Uh, the trademark for the USFL has been bought and kind of passed around like a hot potato since the early 2000s. And this is the first time the league has gotten this far as far as making a return, you know, quote unquote. And I say that because currently Fox is being sued by Larry Zonka and a bunch of former players. Uh, he's representing former players and owners of the original USFL, I guess. And he's suing because he's saying that Fox has no right to use the USFL name and likeness. However, it doesn't make, what doesn't make sense to me is that this the USFL and their trademarks, at least the USFL name has been sent, you know, bought and dropped several times, like I said, since the early 2000s. So right now as it sits, everything's still going to go forward, but this, this lawsuit is kind of looming. Yeah, I, I still need to look more into the logic behind it, but trademarks can be everything from teams and logos. I don't know if they're using the same team names or not. I'm assuming they they're not. They are. Using the same that, teams and logos. That might be where the issue is coming in then, is if you bought the USFL trademark, that's fantastic. You can use the they league bought, name. They bought the league name and the team names and the team logos way back before all this started. Like The first time we started talking about the USFL coming back, it was because all of the trademarks had been bought. And that was publicly announced way back, like two years ago when this all started. Yeah, so I I don't exactly know where it's coming from. I'm I'm interested in it because that whole process intrigues me. Granted, internet intellectual property law is a pain, but it's at least interesting to see kind of how that stuff rolls through. Real uh, the thing that really got me is I can't remember exactly how it was worded in the article that Zonka was basically saying, 
if the USFL has no value, then why are you using it? Because that is kind of in Fox stance is like, well, we're, you know, it doesn't have any value. Like it's not going to bring people in based on being the USFL. And my response to that is if you think it has value, why'd you let the fucking trademark expire? And okay. All so is it now an issue. So now that I looked it up here, here's the actual lawsuit. The real USFL LLC is a holding company created by the team's former, uh, the former team owners, a uh, bunch of them. And it said it still licenses the USFL trademarks to use on throwback clothing, as well as books and films about the league. The lawsuit said Fox bought its USFL trademark rights from a company unrelated to the original league. So in other words, they're alleging that the trademarks were improperly sold and bought without their consent. Again, the trademarks that Fox bought were the trademarks that had been bought and sold several times. That doesn't mean that they years. were legal. That doesn't mean those were the ones legally being bought and sold. I mean, okay, but that would create a whole bunch of other problems for all. You're not wrong. You, you're not wrong. Oof. <laughs> okay. I mean, I still kind of don't care, and I hope that everybody stops complaining. That's kind of what I also I hope don't happens. understand how we got to you know a month again, a month before the league right. starts, and all of a sudden this is coming up. Right. Like it's just there's a lot of things I have an issue with with this, and that is one of them. Like you have known this has been public news for a year at least. The right. names were announced at least six months ago. And all of a sudden now that teams are being formed, now that it's pretty imminent that this league is gonna happen. Oh wait, you guys don't have the rights to use this apparently. We just remembered that. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like, hey, it's actually about to start up. Let's try and get some of that money. Yeah, Which... that's that's exactly what it screams to me. Because, I mean, yeah. in fairness to some of the other companies that – but again, okay, let me finish that thought. The other companies that bought it sounded like startups, right? One of them was called Endzone Entertainments. Another one was Touchdown Entertainment LLC. Like, sound like just bullshit companies started up on a whim. Their mission, they had the mission statement, they had everything they needed, but a lot like the Freedom Football League, they were never really going to get off the ground. When a viable company, multi billion dollar, trillion dollar probably company like Fox announces that they have the trademarks, you wait six months to a year before it's going to happen, and now you want to say something. Because I don't Fox give had a shit about the legality. <laughs> what I care about is the fact that you wait until it is literally about to start to say, wait a minute, no, 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 you can't do that. I the mean, if you don't. Is what the biggest problem here is. But the timing of it is why they're doing it. You can't just sit there and say, you bought my trademarks, I'm going to take you to court. Like, that's, that's not how that works. They need to actively profit from it. And they haven't, they hadn't done that to that point. Now that they're pushing forward with it, they are. There, there is no. For two months. At least. Again. Somebody it, has been making money off of this for a minute. I, I don't necessarily believe that they have, man. Because with everything that they're doing and everything that is going on, that still costs money. They need to turn a revenue. If you don't care this about is, the... This is like a 
terrible conversation for podcast. Not gonna lie. Yep, <laughs> I agree. I don't know which side I agree with. At the same time, I don't know that I care. So let's go ahead and move on. <laughs> That's where I'm at with it. <laughs> it sounds like you both are getting frustrated about it too. So let's move on to fun stuff like college football. And apparently weed's legal now. So that's cool. Let's talk about weed. <laughs> um, technically, what happened here is the NCAA loosened their restrictions on smoking marijuana. Uh, very exciting stuff. Now you can fail three or more drug tests before it really hurts your eligibility. And to fail a drug test, you would have had to really be cheap in the stuff. So apparently, apparently you can uh, get away with some weed now. Hey, I'm, I'm hearing that Josh Gordon might actually still have a year of eligibility left. It's <laughs> not how that works, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Pat McAfee, I'm sure, would have had a much better time. Right. <laughs> no more oil changes for those of us that have seen Blue Mountain State. That is no longer required. Man. In conference news, uh, the Big Ten is doing something really cool. Uh, I mean, tell me if you think this is cool or not. I thought it was interesting. They're doing something called the Big Life Series, which, terrible name, but okay. Uh, they're going to take student-athletes on what they're calling like real world educational experiences. They're going on field trips once a year. Um, you have to apply for them. You have to have a certain GPA and, you know, all, all sorts of things that make it something you earn instead of something that's given to you. But it's about a hundred athletes and administrators this year. They're headed to Alabama during some civil rights sites, uh, everything that was relevant in the 1960s going on some, tours of the area down there and actually having a discussion with one of the surviving civil rights protesters down in Alabama. I think that's really cool. They're going to start doing this once a year. And I like the sound of this, uh, getting people out of their bubble, especially up in you know, Minnesota and, you know, all the far reaches of the big 10. Most people who go to Nebraska live in Nebraska and probably haven't been outside of Nebraska. Let's be real. They so, get lost in the cornfields. Right, right. There's a much bigger world than just the cornfields. I know it's hard to believe. But I thought that was pretty cool. I don't know what you guys think about it, though. The, the only big mistake I think they made, and maybe this is just because of how you typed it in, but why don't they just use their logo as part of the, the title? Why not make it the V1G? I know. And, and then still say better. big. Would have been better, but they refused to make sense because it's Kevin Warren in charge. I think talking specifically about Alabama, they're going to be going specifically to uh, Montgomery. Of course, yeah. famous for the Montgomery bus boycott. And there are a lot of uh, uh, civil rights museums and attractions, I guess, if you want to call it that, uh, in Montgomery. It feels weird to call them attractions. Yeah, right. right. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's probably technically accurate, yes. <laughs> oh, but I think that's cool. That's a good idea. Um, in other conference news, some FCS conference news, actually. Apparently, the Big South and the Ohio Valley Conference are 
creating some sort of a football alliance, not in the big pack attack way, in more of the A-Sun and Whack way, where really the OBC and the Big South don't have enough football teams to qualify for the FCS playoffs. And so they're kind of merging for football season and staying separate for everything else. That's something kind of unique to the FCS. It doesn't really happen too many other places. Like even D2 and D3 don't really do this. But Division One FCS, you have a couple of conferences that kind of merge and share scheduling for football season in order to qualify for the FCS playoffs. The Big South and the OVC are doing that. Pretty, pretty wild. Uh, but, you know, it gets us some new teams in the FCS playoffs and all for it. I, I'm waiting for the full conference merger to be like the big Ohio conference with teams from all over the country just to confuse everybody. That certainly sounds like something that the athletic conferences would do. <laughs> I mean, Missouri or SEMO was in the Ohio Valley Conference. And they're much right. closer to the Mississippi River. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, that's definitely not the uh, Ohio Valley anymore. But yeah. you know who's also in the Ohio Valley Conference now is the Lindenwood Lions. Which one? Lindenwood University in St. Charles, Missouri. St. Charles? Is that the one with the gross, like maroon and gray turf. Can't ever remember which Lindenwood that is. There's two universities. There one's in Illinois, one's in St. Charles. Can't I which is which. don't know what their turf is. I can tell you their logo has no maroon. So okay. that would be really That's weird. probably the other one. <laughs> Do we want uh, to talk about Art Bryles? I kind of don't. I think also I did call it last time that Art Bryles was a bad move. I, you know, give him credit. He stepped away. He didn't have to get fired. He didn't put the onus on the school. He said, you know what? It's, it's not, I'm not, it's not time for me to be back in college football. And I don't think there's ever going to be a time, but. Yeah, if I had my say, there wouldn't be. Yeah, at least good on him for recognizing that, I guess. Or he could go to Penn State. That would be a good culture fit. fit right in. Right. Oh my god. It it's not wrong. <laughs> oh, it's definitely wrong. It's wrong in a lot of ways. The analysis isn't wrong. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> art browse is a thing that exists. That's terrible. Uh you know what else we got is a one thing more. that exists? Missouri State. What do you got? <laughs> yeah, they uh there's been rumors and reports that they're linked to the Sun Belt. And then what does the school There's do? There's no like, way. Nope. They haven't even contacted us. And that was when I, I read the first half of the headline. It was that really got me in the first. I thought they had us in the first half. Because I was like, how the fuck do they fit in with all the other schools in the Missouri Valley that are a hundred times more deserving? I just... I, it's going to be interesting to see if maybe there is some kind of connection there between maybe not Missouri State, but another MVC team potentially making that jump to the Sun Belt. I guess location-wise, uh, Springfield, Missouri makes the most sense in relation to a lot of the other Sun Belt schools. But at the same time, I was just sitting there like, this makes 
zero sense for it to be Missouri State making the jump over, you know, if we're talking about location, SIU even for that matter. Didn't we say the FBS minimum field or stadium requirements was 20,000? Like that. Okay, because yeah. Missouri State can only hold 17,000. That being said, this is the second conference I read from that same article that they have supposedly been rumored to. The other one was CUSA, but we all know what a dumpster fire that is right now. Um, yeah, I would better all stay at FCS. That's right. what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, thanks. But but it's intriguing because why does their name keep coming up then? If that like I don't know. It's 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 definitely interesting, but there's not there's not a ton there except to keep an eye on it. I guess you know we we talk about all the time how Missouri Valley in general, not just any one particular school, although it is kind of dominated by North Dakota State and South Dakota State, but the whole conference is strong right you know it's it you you got to imagine at some point some of these teams are gonna have to start making the trek up to the fbs level i mean i still advocate that we just move the entire conference up personally but i know there's there's a bunch of factors in the way of that (laughs) yeah if i were if i were missouri state and i were getting that kind of offer i would really fight for siu to come with me at least have a regional partner as mm-hmm. another certainly a strong enough team, right? I, I wouldn't want to do it anyway, but if I were considering the move, that's what I would probably look to do. Maybe SIU and I mean, even I don't know, there, there's nobody else close enough that makes any sense. Indiana State's not ready, Illinois State's not ready, but Missouri State, SIU, they kind of are ready at the same time they're yeah it's a bit of a drive <laughs> some belt, you know especially now that something like that <laughs> yeah I, I, I don't know they're losing their arkansas connection so i don't know marshall now marshall i guess that's that's all that's also far away honestly never mind <laughs> It's more of a JMU connection than it would be a Missouri State connection. Man, I love conference realignment talk. But anyway, we're we're done talking about one that's not going to happen. <laughs> we say we get into our uh, kind of meat and potatoes of this episode. Yeah, I'm all ready for it. Uh, the actual roast we've been slow cooking, so let's go ahead and dive in. Here's here's our big plan. We're going to go back and forth. Uh, this is totally randomized order, by the way. But we're going through all 32 NFL teams. And we're going to go back and forth between Bug and Tug here. They're going to give a real quick hitter on what the biggest offseason need for that team is. And we're going to move relatively quickly. But at the same time, each of our lovely analysts over here gets four vetoes. And if they want to stop and debate something, they're totally free to do so four different times. So, I mean, you only get 16 total off-season needs to talk about. But if you want to debate a quarter of them, I can't stop you. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, now, I, I specifically remember Bug winning the toss and then deferring. 
um, but I'm not sure if I'm remembering that correctly. It doesn't matter. I don't know. Either way, Tug's going first. So, like I said before, these are in completely random order. So, we're starting with the Denver Broncos for some reason. What do you got, Tug? Man, it's real tough to highlight a specific need for the Broncos. They've got holes everywhere on offense. Their defensive line uh, is significantly worse than it was last year with the absence of Von Miller. Their linebackers are lackluster. Uh, there's not a single need they have that's greater than the other. I mean, you can always take the little hanging fruit of a quarterback, but honestly, looking at this, they, they need to start working a full rebuild uh, to try, try and get any kind of hope again moving forward on establish some sort of identity and consistency. I don't disagree with that at all, honestly. I'm ready to go with the Browns if you want. Kind of just roll through these yeah. quick. Yep. The biggest thing for the Browns is they really got to decide if Baker Mayfield is the future of this organization or not. There's positives and negatives to both sides of this argument. If they lose Jarvis Landry, that changes things a little bit for sure. But it really all starts and ends with Baker Mayfield. I can't point to any major deficiencies on defense. I'm sure there are some. But when you look at the offense, got a solid run game, passable offensive line. Even without Jarvis Landry, I think that receiving core is among, you know, top middle of the NFL. Really, when you look at it, it is Baker Mayfield, and he had high expectations, high hopes coming into the season, and just failed to meet it. So, I, I don't know. It's, it's tough, but that's unfortunately putting it all on one person. You know, especially when it's a quarterback, it happens too often. But I feel like that's really the case in Cleveland right now. Nah, I, I'm right there with you on that one. Um... I'm going to roll right on into the Rams who are next. And the Rams are definitely and were definitely a Super Bowl or bust team. That being said, if they want to come back and they want to repeat, they need to focus their entire offseason restructuring contracts and then re-signing as much of their talent as they can. Uh, focusing on both sides of the ball, OBJ and Von Miller have to be their top re-signed targets here coming on in. Uh, not really worried about free agency, not really worried about their draft. It, for me, it's it's re-signing your talent and trying to keep your team whole going into uh, 2022. That's pretty cut and dry. This team can't afford to lose a ton. They could lose some. They could lose some. Let's not act like they'd yep. be awful without some of those pieces, you know, rental pieces, so to speak. Uh, but with, with Houston, it's it's quite the opposite. They need a lot, and they need – Really just a complete overhaul. They need to get rid of Jack Easterby at the very least and preferably get a whole new ownership group in there. It is, things are really that dire and that bad. When you have your own hometown newspaper reporting that the only reason Lovey Smith got the job is because he's African-American, there's issues there, right? They have no star power anywhere on that team. They let Bill O'Brien trade it all away. And then you, the one star they have is unwilling to play for them, Deshaun Watson. So they got to figure out something to do with him. And, you know, we already talked about Saquon Barkley being a fourth round, you know, worth a fourth round pick. They need to realize that the value of guys is not what they think it is. They need to get what they can get and move on because right now he's taking up a roster spot. Davis Mills might 
be the answer. He might be the next Tom Brady. I don't know. But what I do know is you have a guy in Deshaun Watson that is taking up way too much space on your roster, even if it's one spot, and he's never going to play for you. So why why continue to do it? So the only thing I'm going to add, I'm not debating you here. I'm just going to add in that uh, if the Texans want to do this intelligently, I would not expect any trade for Deshaun Watson until after June 1st. And the reason that's the date is all of the dead money they would have from him goes away and they save $35 mil against the cap if they wait until June 1st. What a loophole you just found to keep talking about Texans, though. I like it. Uh, <laughs> for, the, uh, for the Bengals, uh, this is another one that seems pretty cut and dry to me. Uh, cool, you guys took a risk last year and you drafted a wide receiver uh, at the top of the draft. I'm happy it worked out for you. You guys ended up in the Super Bowl. But by God, Joe Burrow cannot continue continually take the amount of sacks that he has been get a damn offensive line there's plenty of them in free agency you're looking at solid guys across the draft on the offensive line the entirety of cincinnati's offseason needs to be focused on rebuilding that offensive line i mean we said it last year taking jamar chase number one overall or wherever they did uh, didn't didn't make sense to me either didn't make sense to any of us uh, as far as the Giants go, you know, they're moving in the right direction, in my opinion. And if they're ready and willing to move on from Saquon Barkley, I said it last year, they needed to draft a running back, and I still fully feel that. Uh, to me, I don't want to make any bold sweeping statements until I see what Brian Dable is able to do with this offense. Because while it might be easy to say you need to start looking to move on from Daniel Jones, and I think that's a valid take, we saw what Dable was able to do with Josh Allen up in Buffalo. Can he have some luck in the big city of, uh, what is it? Oh, some shithole in New Jersey, East Rutherford, New Jersey. So so basically just stay the course of what they're doing and establish your offense. Is that what you? Pretty much. I mean, they've, who knows what he's going to be able to pull out, right? Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, moving on to Tampa Bay here, honestly, 2022 is going to be a very different Tampa Bay team than what we had in 2020 and 2021. They're losing just about everything. It feels like, uh, they're in a tough cap spot. Uh, they lost Tom Brady. They lost Ali Marpet and a long list of other guys who are eligible for free agency this year. If I had to highlight one of their biggest moves, it needs to be not letting Chris Godwin hit free agency. Uh, free agency is going to be a jackpot for wide receivers this year all over the place. Uh, and, and the Buccaneers need to tie down Chris Godwin before he ends up in free agency uh, and go somewhere else because that's going to be another massive blow to that team if they lose him. Yeah, this is a team that's very much in flux right now. I have no clue who their starting quarterback's going to be. I don't know that they have any clue who their starting quarterback's going to be. They need to figure out what they're going to do and quick. Uh, moving on, trying to keep this quick, going to the Dallas Cowboys. Ultimately, they need to find somebody to add to that secondary. I think that's their weakest area. And even Diggs, who was you know the pro bowler, he was either getting a pick or giving up a touchdown, right? So why not throw against him? If you ask me, Zeke's the guy they need to get rid of. But if I'm being honest, you could 
trade Zeke or Tony Pollard and get some value, some a value secondary guy for either one of them. Both those guys are going to be able to take the load, the lion's share, the carries. You can work somebody else in. I think they have a great one-two punch right now. You hate to break that up, but when you look at the needs of what they need and how are, how are they going to get better, you can't keep both of them if you think you can get something in that secondary to help you improve. No, agreed. And as time goes on, both running backs are going to get upset for missing certain snaps and things like that anyway. So then you're going to have a locker room issue there as well. So 100%, you need to get rid of one of them and, and build that secondary. How amazing um, would it be to see Zeke traded to the Dolphins for one of their glut of safeties? I'd rather keep my safeties. I'd rather yeah. send a fourth round to New York for, for Saquon. Okay, keep losing. It's cool. <laughs> Enjoy uh, having Saquon for three weeks of the year. All right. For the Arizona Cardinals, that's who's up next. They need to focus on re-signing Kyler Murray and keeping the shortest man in the NFL happy. Um, honestly, if they can do that, this team should just stay the course. They're onto something. They just got hit hard at the end of last season. They've been building. They've been progressing every year. I, I have no reason to believe that they're not going to continue to do that if they keep their pieces intact. So they need to re-sign Kyler Murray and then find a way to keep the toddler happy. I'm going to veto this, and here's why. We're seeing this play out where a team is bent over backwards to keep their quarterback happy up in Green Bay, and we'll get to Green Bay in a little bit. But that's largely my point. You can't allow one player to hold you and your organization hostage. Kyler Murray needs to realize that while there are certain things he wants, and not all of them are money in his pocket, right? While there are certain things he wants, this is a business, this, the NFL, the Cardinals don't owe him anything. And I appreciate all the points he's made. I appreciate him wanting to have a bigger role in team decisions. But at some point, the team has to stand up and say, no, this is what we're doing. You can get on board or you can get out. Nah, that's, that's totally fair. Uh, I was not hearing that he wanted the bigger role in team decisions. I know he was upset with the ownership group and how they treated him at the end of last year. So when I said make him happy, I really meant be respectful. Um, but, you know, I like your points too. He's asking for $80 million a year. Saw that earlier today. So reportedly, no confirmation on that, by the way. No and, way. Uh, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes for, doesn't even get eighty mil a year. He was he was specifically Nobody asking does. for a uh, for a role in free agency decisions last season when all this stuff with you know getting who was it Randall Cobb back in Green Bay was coming up with Aaron Rodgers and then all the drama with Deshaun Watson was unfolding. Yeah, it's uh, I could have a literal like three year player who's won three MVPs and three Super Bowl MVPs for me. And if he asks for 80 mil a year, I'm cutting him right on the spot. Yeah, right. Get out of here with that. How do you handle this tag? Right. Yeah. Oof. I mean, I'll hand up. Could have been could have been a, a joke article or whatever. I saw the headline. I know, I know money is one of the things he's asking for. And I was like, eh, whatever. We'll take it on, stay in the NFC West, not AFC West, NFC West. Go talk about the Seahawks here. It's pretty obvious what they need. The same thing, same issue that 
the Bengals are running into, except instead of a, a young quarterback with a bum knee, they just have an old quarterback who's not getting any younger and is slowing down, frankly. They need offensive line. And it's gotten to a point, they're at critical mass as far as what their window's looking like, right? They've already had issues on the defensive side of the ball that they've started to resolve, started to make things a little bit better on that end. But they still can't protect Russell Wilson. They still can't keep a running back healthy. They've got to find some people that can keep the big nasties away from the guys, from the good guys. Man, the Seahawks are are brutal. And and you say their window is is closing. I would argue that their window has closed a few years ago at this point. They haven't been I made, mean, made... Man, they just Seahawks have a surprising number of holes for a team that I just kind of assume is going to be in the playoffs every year. It's pretty wild. Right. All right. Uh I have an easy one here. Uh for the Los Angeles Chargers moving over to the AFC West. Uh stay the course, man. Uh they're on to something. Uh, they've got everything rolling. They made a push here this year. Honestly, their team is just missing that experience. So stay the course. You know, keep your guys, keep your pieces there, and, and you guys should be good to go. Yeah, I'm going to stay in the AFC West with a team that surprisingly has a lot more that they need done to not. The Kansas City Chiefs late in the year, especially like we saw late in the playoffs, Patrick Mahomes is putting it all on himself way too often out on the field, and it's to the detriment of the team. A lot of that is because all you have to do is dare the Chiefs to run, and then you realize they can't. They don't have a solid, consistent ground game. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he's all right. He's not the guy that's going to get it done for him, though, and that's kind of becoming obvious at this point. If I'm the Chiefs, I'm making a call to Dallas for Zeke or Pollard. Yes, that weakens their secondary even more. But with a guy like Tyron Matthew, he's he's a very clear leader in that secondary group. He can help whip them into shape. And potentially you could find, I think this class is deeper on the defensive side of the ball than on the offensive side of the ball. You can draft secondary this year. Uh, I'm going to veto this for one big reason. Uh, Tyron Matthew is actually a free agent. Uh, so I'm going to disagree and say to even make your, uh, pot, your your options here of getting a secondary, getting trading secondary for Zeke or Pollard. While, yeah, that makes some sense. One, I believe in Clyde Edwards-Lair. He he's been injured. Uh, but two, you need a secondary to trade secondary. And Tyron Matthew. Matt, uh, Matthew is a, a free agent as of right now, so they need to resign. I wasn't trading Tyron Matthew possibility. At all anyway. I understand that, but you were using him as a piece of why they could take a weakness on secondary. And what I'm saying is they don't even have him. They need to resign him to even have a hope of having a secondary. I would bet a lot of money they're going to try and resign Tyron Matthew. His biggest needs. That's going to be their biggest need right now. Fair point. I will say Tyron Matthews quickly becoming the guy, like the guy that I assumed Eric Berry was about four years ago. It was like he basically is the secondary, and they'll be fine if they have nothing but him. They'll figure something out. They'll be okay. <laughs> All right. This next one for me kind of hurts for me to say, um, 
because I'm watching the evil empire rise again. Uh, it's like the empire strikes back. I'm taking the new England Patriots here. Uh, and honestly, Mac Jones is budding into a young star started it last year was eased into the system. It's fantastic to see. So for the Patriots, it's going to be stay the course. They had a top 10 defense, a top 10 offense. You really can't ask for much better. No reason to make sweeping changes right now. Yeah, I agree. And the kind the opposite is kind of true for me, right? The Packers, they're my team here. And they have, like I said earlier, they've got to stop letting Aaron Rodgers hold them hostage because already they screwed up and they took Jordan Love in the first round two years ago in the draft. That made no sense to me then. It makes no sense to me now. But they, they're they sitting here. They're going to wait out and let Aaron Rodgers make his decision. Am I staying? Am I going? And all it's going to do is put them in a spot where they don't know what to do. They're waiting on one guy to make their decision. Again, at some point, you got to say, look, dude, this is what we're doing. Get on board or leave. No, 100%, 100% the Packers need to figure that out before they can even move forward. Uh, they can't even figure out what they're doing with Devontae Adams until they figure out Rodgers. So, yeah, 100%, that is their biggest need right now. Uh, moving on, I'm traveling to the NFC North to join you up there. I'm taking the Bears, and I feel like I'm either going to get this right or you're going to yell all, all at me, but the Bears need to figure out this offensive line. Y- you can't do anything without – without the line there to protect Justin Fields. Granted, he can scramble, he can get away. I can't rely on any quarterback to do that 100% of the time. You need to give him time in the pocket for him to ex- for him to excel. And then finally, develop an offensive system that utilizes his strengths. So basically, I'm saying build your line and build around Justin Fields. Yeah, I mean... I agree. As long as they get rid of that cocksucker that got on to uh, Tevin Jenkins for fighting somebody for hitting Justin Fields late, that's all I really care about. And I'm pretty sure Ryan Foles has made it pretty clear that that's going to be a a hot topic for him. I will say, though, the Bears probably need to use that second-round pick on a receiver because don't they have, like, one receiver coming back (laughs) right now? Yeah, that's, like, it, so – well, they're probably gonna somebody on the roster at least. They're they're gonna tag Allen Robinson again. Don't worry. Oh gosh. Ew. I hope not. I hope not. I, I, I hope, hope not, not for, for his sake. organization's Correct. sake too. <laughs> Oof. So for the New Orleans Saints, you got to figure out the cap, and uh, you know we talked about it with the coaching carousel and our coaching grades. This guy's a sacrificial lamb somebody that they're comfortable with kind of going through and probably not being so great. Uh, You know, teams do this a lot. The Blackhawks recently did it. Uh, It's going to be a rough road. Maybe, you know, send that memo out to your fans, let them know like, Hey, uh, we're going to, we're going to put a good product out here the best we can, but we hope you'll still support us because right now it's not looking like we're going to have a good time good go of it here in the near future it's going to take three or four years for them to really unfuck everything that's happened and uh on top you know look, talking about the cap stop paying taste bill all right find somebody find a real quarterback and pay them 
But I like Jason Hill. No, I'm kidding. I like Jason Hill for one week when he I was able to put him as tight end when he was a starting quarterback, and that was when he was worth it. Um, moving on, Doug, I'm taking your team here. I got the Tennessee Titans. Man, their defense is getting better. Their running back is stellar. But here's the problem. They have no real consistent outside weapons, even inside weapons. Right, so I'm looking for them to to pick up a pass catcher at some point in this offseason. Get Tannehill a real outside weapon out of Julio Jones, who's going to play two games, not an AJ Brown who's going to be injured for 14 games. Um, get yourself a real wide receiver or a real tight end, your choice. Yeah, I, I actually am expecting the Tennessee Titans to be big players uh, in the Chris Godwin sweepstakes here. That being said, one thing I want to note. This is going to create a string of similar team needs for me here moving forward. Why not both? I'll take a tight end and a receiver, please. Yeah, if you can, but I had to highlight one. I'm going to move us right along to the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, first thing they got to figure out is if Derek Carr is the answer, right? And it's kind of similar to Cleveland and their situation with Baker Mayfield. They need a little more retooling on the defensive side of the ball, particularly in the second level at linebacker. Maybe even a little bit in that secondary, although I know they've got a lot of young talent in the secondary, so I don't know that that's so much of an issue. But it's do or die time as far as Derek Carr goes, and I don't know how confident they are. I'm surprised we haven't heard any rumors about him this offseason yet. You know, he's in the past two years, it feels like he's been one of the first quarterbacks brought up and, you know, potentially being traded or moved in one way or another. So I don't know. I, I don't want to say it starts and ends there because they do have some needs on defense, but it's definitely uh, the offensive concern right now. No, that's totally valid. My only thought there is maybe Josh McDaniels likes Derek Carr, unlike the rumors of Gruden and Carr. Who knows? Uh, those very well could have just been rumors, though. All right, moving on. I've got the New York Jets here. It's another team with a young QB, but here's the difference. They've actually done, from what I've seen, a solid job of building an offensive line. Now you need to get weapons, and I have wide receiver tight end here. Again, you need pass catchers. I'm going to take it one step further and even add in a starting running back there. They got Michael Carter, who might have a breakout season. He's in that range for a running back. Uh, you need to get a weapon out there to pull some pressure off of Zach Wilson, uh, whether that's a receiver or a running back. I don't care your choice, uh, even a tight end. But what intrigues me here, and one thing I might even start projecting, um, man, Garrett Wilson at number four is becoming a very intriguing prospect uh, for the Jets. If if I had to, if I had to throw out a name right now, I mean, at number four, it's a it's a bit of a hot take, I would say. Good. The hottest of takes. You only get those here at BDT. They do have two picks in the top ten, so they can... Yeah, I know, I know. Later. I mean, all right. I'm going to look at the Carolina Panthers here, though. Keep us moving right along. Obviously, I think quarterback is an area that they need to improve upon. And uh, the other big glaring issue on the offensive side of the ball is receivers, right? They have nobody. They got, what, DJ Moore? That's about it. And even he's spotty at best. 
I don't know that rule is the answer. I don't know if Carolina knows if rule is the answer. But there are some huge holes on this offense. Thankfully, it looks like Chuba Hubbard is going to be just fine whenever, you know, Christian McCaffrey gets hurt in week two or three. So run-wise, they're fine. They've been rebuilding this defense. Maybe spend a pick or two to grab another, you know, another couple depth guys for defense. They really need to be focusing on the offense this offseason. Yeah, they've definitely been focusing on defense the past couple seasons. So seeing them shift and maybe focus more offense is going to be interesting. And I hope they do. Moving on to Baltimore, guys, there's some serious issues here in Baltimore. And I say that because they lost the final six games of the NFL season. That's nuts to think about. Right. And and that highlights to me that there's problems that are deeper than I lost my two starting running backs in the preseason. The real issue uh, is, yet again, they have no pass catches for Lamar. There is... Hollywood Brown, who's debating retiring from the NFL to go play esports, reportedly debating. Ah, you, you need to get him some weapons. You need to get speedy guys, somebody who can get out, continue to run when you roll out of the pocket and find a way to get open. Uh, this is going to be a defensive need, or a, sorry, a wide receiver need here again. Did you hear reportedly why he uh, came out and said that? No. He wanted to troll. Ben Albright, specifically Ben Albright. That is, again, all alleged. I love all of this. I love him even more, but he's not a top-tier wide receiver. I think he's got the talent to be the way the game's going, but that's you know a very different conversation. I've got the yep. Buffalo Bills. With or without Cole Beasley, this team's very complete. Do less. Fill the, I think they have less holes than the Chiefs, too. I want to throw that in there. Make sure that one's out there. They just got to stay the course. Hopefully, uh, this is more of a uh, uh, shit. It's not Sean McVay up there, is it? He's yeah, it is. No, it's, it's Sean, um, Sean McDermott. Sean McDermott. McDermott. Ah, it's just the end of that last name. Sean McDermott. Hopefully, the offense is more him and less stable. And uh, I guess we'll find that out here very, very soon because well, they don't have Ryan Dable anymore. So, yeah, Bills just need to keep doing what they're doing. And uh, even if the Patriots make a comeback here, it's uh, going to be tough for them to overcome Buffalo. Facts. All right. I had the privilege of drawing the Washington Commanders. All right, guys, you have a new – New team name, you got a new brand. And I want you to do the same thing with your entire team. Break it down, start all over. There's not many pieces to work with here. Your defense is set, that's for sure. But definitely offensively, break it down, start it all over, and find a new way forward. Veto. You're going to say that their entire offense needs to be redone? Quarterbacks, yes. I 100% see. But you're going to tell me that wide receiver room needs to be completely redone, that running back room needs to be completely redone? I don't see it, man. It, again, it comes down to, yes, you have Scary Terry who can make big plays. You have Antonio Gibson who can make big plays. Yes, they have big play potential, but they don't have the consistent big play potential that you're looking for to say, you know what, if I'm starting this all over, then then we need to – like, it, it is worth it at this point to, to break it down and start all over. Just the way I see it. 
Is it the talent, though, or is it the coaching? I mean, it's been Riverboat Ron's team for four or five years, or what, three years now? He's going into his third season? Like a second. Going into his third season. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, it's his team now. He's built most of his team where it is. So if that's not working out, then you're looking at a new coach, too. And then, yes, then I would still advocate for that. Yeah, I got to say, I kind of side with Bug on this. I don't know the entire team is bad. I think there are some obvious holes, but they, you have some real pieces to build around, too. And uh, I would personally take the John Gruden route here and get some new cheerleaders. <laughs> the need to do that, too. Yeah. Uh, I- Dan Snyder can't do that, man. If he does that, he's so much more crap than he currently is. Which is why I want to see it happen. I can't get any worse for him. Actually, you guys have convinced me. You guys have convinced me. There's one change I'm making to my ruling. Their biggest offseason need is they need a new goddamn owner. There we go. Now we're talking. I'll also say uh, in defense of Washington that they, you know, it's very rare to see a quarterback uh, come in after not being the starter week one and not being the, you know, the guy they were going to have at the starting position all through training camp preseason uh, and have to go to that backup all year because Ryan Fitzpatrick got hurt preseason. So I don't know how much of that offense not performing well was on the fat, you know, on the back of the fact that they didn't have anybody viable at backup. Uh, And I don't know that they would have been, an all-star offense with Ryan Fitzpatrick under center either, right? Uh, yeah, I man, rebuild the whole team. That's I'm not ready to get there. Putting yeah. some bars there on the back of that bag. Um, I will say it really worked out for the Dallas Cowboys when Tony Romo got hurt and Dak Prescott came in. We'll say it really worked out for the New England Patriots when Drew Bledsoe got hurt and Tom Brady came in. I mean, we've really seen that happen out. before. I mean, it worked out for the Rams when Trent Green went down, then Kurt Warner won the fucking MVP in the Super Bowl, right? right. I mean, right. it worked you do out see last it year. It worked out last year for the for the football team when whoever was their quarterback at that game got hurt and Taylor Heineke came in. The last time Tua was good in a football game, it really worked out for Alabama when they brought him in after. So, <laughs> speaking <Ouch>. of Tua. <laughs> We're going to move on to the Dolphins. I surprisingly don't have anything about Tua in here uh, because there's bigger fish to fry, so to speak. This run game is dismal. We've already talked about if there is an option to give a fourth round to the Giants to get Saquon Barkley, that they absolutely need to do it. I said Barkley really weird. That's Glad you caught it. Forever. Uh, they also need to get a new owner if literally anything Brian Flores said has an ounce of truth to it because that's just ridiculous. That violates the very integrity of the NFL. And it's irritating because all the things that the NFL has done uh, around the Washington scandal has been to protect the shield. And then you're going to allow an owner to tell his coach, hey, throw some games. We need a better draft spot. That's very clearly not protecting the shield, and he can't stay if there's any truth to it. While I agree with your take on uh, Steve Ross, and frankly, I'd be okay if he sold the team anyway, uh, I have to I have to veto your run game take here. 
I can't have a run game without an offensive line. I I have been saying that Miami needs an offensive line for like five or six years now, and I'm going to keep pounding, beating that drum up and down until we finally get one. But our our offensive line is dismal, and that's a large reason why our running game is dismal too. Uh, you can only do so much getting hit in the background. To be fair, he did say running game, not running back. I even still like I I need an offensive line to get there. That's the biggest need is more offensive linemen. It sounds like you'll waste a veto, if I'm being honest. I mean, we're closing it on the end of it anyway. Why yeah. not start pumping them out? You can't can't keep them for next time. <laughs> so it's true. <laughs> Almost like timeouts at the end of the half. Let's start using them, boys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, looking at the San Francisco 49ers, honestly, honestly, stay the course. Uh, they're working on trading Jimmy G. Cool. Uh, you guys do that. But other than that, stay the course. The Niners this past season have shown that their 2020 season was a fluke with all the injuries they had. They came back and they got back into the playoffs. Get healthy, press forward, stay the course. I want to veto this because I think they have some issues at running back. And I don't think 2020 was as much of a fluke as maybe you're thinking it is. Not to mention the fact that you now have Jimmy G, who's kind of iffy, kind of up in the air. You can point to him for a lot of issues they had as well this year. And you've got a a guy that you drafted in the first round to replace him. Now, I get it. You don't necessarily need Trey Lance to start even his second year. But Trey Lance has a much higher ceiling than I think uh, Jordan Love does, which is not, you know, it's not a shot at the Packers by any means. But that was a guy that made sense to take in the first round. And you can't just keep him and hold him there. I mean, if you want to, it's a weird strategy. But they, uh, I think they do need to do a little bit of work on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think it was all injuries that kept them out of the playoffs in 2020. Like I said, I'm, I'm going to stick to what I said there. I, I do think that was most of it. It might not might not have been the only factor, but I do think that was most of it when they were rotating through their fourth string running back. They didn't have a tight end. They they were brutalized. They didn't have Nick Bosa brutalized in 2020. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, for the Falcons, they need an identity, right? Who the hell are the Atlanta Falcons? They got Cordell Patterson. That's about it. Nothing else about this team is inspiring at all. I don't even know what talent they have or don't have, if I'm being completely honest, because there's, again, who watches the Falcons at this point, right? They need an identity. They need something to get people excited, whether that ends up being a good thing for them or not. Hell, you know, bring back, uh, bring back Mike Vick. That'll get people talking about your team, get get people, you know, something. Because right now the Falcons are just an NFL team in Atlanta that exists. Trade for Julio Jones. <laughs> so, so not a veto, but just a correction. They don't even have Cordell Patterson. He is also a free agent this offseason. They kept his locker up, though. So they're going to resign him. And he's basically said he's willing to resign for that man if he has to. That's fair. All right, moving on to Philly. Uh, guys, I'm looking at 
both sides of their line here, offensive and defensive. I've done a lot of offensive stuff, so let me let me uh, hone into uh, the defensive side here. Honestly, Fletcher Cox is fantastic, but he can't be the only guy you have creating pressure and stopping the run. You need more than that. Here's my thing. Clowney is available. I really want to see Philly make a run at J.D. Beyond Clowney to see if they can help bolster that defensive line because Clowney excels in one-on-one matchups. He struggles when he gets double-teamed. Well, good news is if he goes to Philly, Fletcher Cox is already double-teamed. He's eating all of those. So either they're going to double-team Fletcher Fletcher Cox and he's still going to get through, or you're going to double-team J.D. Beyond Clowney and Fletcher Cox is getting through. So they need to bolster that defensive line here, and I'm looking at Clowney to help fill that hole. All right. I'll buy it. We'll go with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, They they have a huge question mark at quarterback. Do you really want to move forward with Mason Rudolph? Mm, They say yes. Is Dwayne Haskins going to be a guy that can fight for that position? 100%. (laughs) Hundred <laughs> percent. Doug says yes. Then you, then you got I the problem yes, that Juju. You got the problem that Juju Smith Schuster ended up not being the guy that they thought he would be, and even now that Claypool is there, he's still not performing well. Right? Maybe it's time to move on from him. Figure out something else there. This team's not in a good spot. It really isn't, and Tomlin's going to have his biggest challenge coming up. It's going to be his first season without Big Ben at quarterback. And we talked about it with Tom Brady and uh, Bill Belichick. Was it the coach or was it the quarterback? We're really going to get to see that in motion again over the next two years, assuming Tomlin stays for another two years in Pittsburgh. And – I think this one's going to be a lot more jarring of a difference because not only are we just not going to have Big Ben in general, I don't know that Tomlin even knows really who he wants to go with at quarterback next season. Yeah, honestly, and and this is one thing I noticed too, Juju has never been a great or even a good wide receiver one. He's a fantastic wide receiver too, drawing the worst cornerback matchup, but He's not a wide receiver one, which is how the Steelers have been trying to use him. So agree 100% on, honestly, all the takes he had there. Uh, For the Detroit Lions, uh, they need a lot of everything. They they really do. Uh, But they only have 19 million cap space, so they don't really have a lot of room to work. However, they do have a good chunk of draft picks. That to help them with that, and with the number one overall pick this year, there's a couple guys at edge rusher that I think would greatly help them out moving forward and help bolster that defense. Uh, I like Kavion Thibodeau out of here, but I could also see them trying to go after Aiden Hutchinson. Either one of those I think would be a good fit there. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson is the the hometown guy at this point, but I think Kavion uh, Thibodeau is going to have a better better uh, NFL career. I would say Aiden Hutchinson's the one you got to go after. I Lions fans are loyal to a fault. You know, Detroit fans in general are loyal to a fault. 
But if you want to bring in anybody new, get people that may have, you know, let the Lions fall off their radar a little bit, you got to go with the hometown guy, get the hometown fans excited. Moving on, staying in the NFC North. Hey, before, you, before you move on, though, before you move on, I'm going to count that as your fourth veto, and you're done. You don't get to veto this next one. That's fine. That's it. That's it from you. <laughs> the Minnesota Vikings just need to build a winning culture. Honestly, I don't know that they have a ton of holes. I struggle to figure out what the issue with this team is because I think they've got talent in all the places they really need it. For whatever reason, it just seems like they're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. And even when they're doing well, they're kind of playing like they know, hey, something's going to go wrong. We're not going to, we're not going to be able to pull this out down the stretch for whatever reason. It's kind of self-sabotaging. So I, I don't know if there needs to be a change at the top, but they need to build a winning culture. That's really all there is to it. All right, I'm going to move us on and along taking my final team here. It's going to be Jacksonville Jaguars, and I'm going to. I'm going to take probably a take that nobody expects me to. I'm going to go with the offensive line here. The reason I say that is Cam Robinson is getting well past his prime, nearing the end of his career. And you have your shiny new quarterback that you want to keep healthy. More importantly, you're picking number two with what might be one of the better tackle prospects we've seen in a long time at the top of the draft. Evan Neal makes one. What's up? They are picking at number one. Jacksonville's picking at number two. No, they're not. Jacksonville's picking at number one, and they can totally get Evan Neal if they want to. Yeah, I, either way, they're going to get Evan <laughs> Neal, which is exactly what I'm projecting. I mixed or, up the, the Lions and the and the Jaguars here, so I apologize. But either way, neither of my takes change because all those guys will still be there. Um, that being you said, you did get the two worst teams in the league, so that's fair yeah. that you might have switched the draft order around. <laughs> I know we didn't uh, watch too many Jaguars games this year, but yeah, facts. <laughs> um, either way, I they have a lot of holes as well, especially in the defense. But right now, with the young quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, you need to protect him. I'm looking at Evan Neal uh, because not only can he play and be a day one starter for you. He can also take the time to learn from Cam Robinson, who is a fantastic tackle in the NFL. I'm just curious about why you thought that was like a take that nobody expected, because we've been seeing mock drafts for like four months where the Jags pick in an offensive tackle number one yeah, overall. I didn't. I didn't think anybody would expect it from me. I mean, we are called the Big Dudes in the Trenches podcast, so this is fair. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to finish this off. We got the Indianapolis Colts, and uh, I don't want to start and end everything with a quarterback, but you got to figure out if Wentz is the guy. If he is, you got to wrap him in bubble wrap and make sure your offensive line is able to do that as well. More importantly, though, he has no receiving weapons, and it's great that you can hand the ball off, and Jonathan Taylor almost, almost fucked that one up. Jonathan Taylor has figured out his fumbling problem. That's fantastic. He's not quite Derrick Henry. And if you get some quality receivers in there, specifically at tight end, in my opinion, this will be a very dangerous offense. Carson Wentz has the ability to do it. I understand if maybe they want to go a different direction as well. This defense, I 
it's going to be interesting losing Eberflus, what the defense is going to look like. But I think they're going to be just fine on that side of the ball. No need to change too much. They still got Frank right there, right? It's all about the receivers, wide receivers, tight ends. They'll, they can make a lot of big moves this year if they build those two positions up. Man, imagine the kind of season Carson Wentz could have had if they had Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne, <laughs> like right now. Right. Doug, you threw me for a loop, man. Based on your notes, I wasn't expecting you to say they need to figure out if Wentz was the guy, and I was planning on using a veto there the entire time because I don't think he's the answer. And I was going to say quarterback's their biggest need, but you kind of covered that with the way you laid it out. So uh, congrats to think... buddy. I think he can do it. I really do. The issue is it's a lot like what we're seeing in Carolina, except for the fact that Jonathan Taylor's got a little bit more experience and he's a little more durable than Christian McCaffrey. Obviously, the issue Chuba Hubbard had is just an adjustment to the NFL, right? But when you look at it, they they also have the issue of nobody to throw to, right? They, there's yep. no identity in that passing game. Oh, it's entirely valid. But, uh, you know, I think that uh, that leaves us with the most fun time of the show. The most epic moment in podcasting history. <laughs> yeah, we just went through all 32 NFL teams time with some relative speed, too. It is bracket with your votes on our Twitter polls. Yeah, I love Let's it. See how today's bracket unfolds. I almost feel bad talking what over else it. Could we but at the same time, we're so inspired by you. Gotta need to. <laughs> Talk about bracket time. Since last bracket time. Wow. All right. Yeah, we're counting down the best MVP in NFL history. Um, as you probably know by now, because we've been at this for a couple of weeks. And you guys have been voting, showing up for our polls, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. All those links have been scrolling at the bottom of the screen if you're watching us. If you're listening to us, it's twitter.com slash bdtfootball, facebook.com slash bdtfootball. Instagram, we are bdt underscore football, though. And, of course, you can watch the show live on a couple of those places, as well as twitch.tv slash trenches. So... I guess we need to go ahead and start talking about some of these matchups. We have eight different matchups to talk about because this was a field of 64. Remember, we were counting down all of the MVPs in NFL history. This award's been going on for quite some time. So we have eight different matchups today. Certainly appreciate your help on Twitter. But we're starting off with a tough one, got to say, because uh, 2007 Tom Brady, 1993 Emmett Smith actually tied in our social media polls. It's just up to you guys. And, uh, I mean, wow. (laughs) Interesting way to start us off. Yeah, I'll start us off here. You're talking to 07 Brady, not 2010 Brady, 2011 Brady, whatever his other ones were. I don't care. You're talking to 07 Brady. This dude was a man on fire the entire season. It's going to take a lot for me not to kind of lean his way as much as it pains me. To uh, to admit, I'm going Tom Brady here. Um, I would just like to point out, and I'm surprised you didn't, that uh, Emmett Smith's team, the Dallas Cowboys, won the Super Bowl 
1993, and Tom Brady and his team, New England Patriots, lost to uh, Dorkface himself and the helmet catch in the Super Bowl that year. So on a team of stars, we're talking Michael Irvin, Troy Aikman. They won the Super Bowl, and Emmett Smith is the guy that was named the most valuable player of the year, right? I don't know how you don't go with Emmett Smith in this one, honestly. I mean, you had Tom Brady, Randy Moss. I think they still had, I think it was Kevin Falk at that point, right? Teddy Bruschi. You had a, what's up? Wrong Falk. And yeah, okay. okay. Teddy Bruschi, like, I get it. We've had one defensive player win the MVP, right? It, I understand that, but no, we've had two. Haven't we had two? Yeah. Yeah, it was two. Oh, um, right. Either way, what Brady was able to do, setting touchdown records, I just 0.1% away from the nicest completion percentage you could have had, that offense ran through him. It's going to be hard for me to vote against him in, in, in this situation. Like, especially this early in the bracket, 07 Brady, yeah, he didn't win the Super Bowl, but the Super Bowl is not an ind- individual award. The MVP is the individual award here. So, Emmett Smith not on that team. Yeah, maybe they do win. Maybe they win more games. Maybe they win the same. Maybe they win a little less. Brady not on the Patriots. I don't even know if they make the, the playoffs that year. And I can say that because the next year he went down with an ACL injury in week one and they missed the playoffs. Didn't they also not have Randy Moss the next season though? I thought it they wasn't. still did. I'm not I'm not sure when that went away. I just know that's the last time Miami won the division. <laughs> Fair enough. Brutal. With with Chad Pennington. Right. Okay. Beast. Randy Moss was there for two more years. I just got to say, Emmett Smith had 10 touchdowns. And... No, get out of here. <laughs> so I take it you're going with Tom Brady, too? I mean, yeah. That's what <laughs> I would do. <laughs> I mean, that's fair enough. I'm not going to sit here and argue that. I mean, it is tough. You only have 10 touchdowns compared to throwing for 50 of them. Kind of, kind of hard to to argue against that. Yeah, you could look to at me, touchdown though, to turnover ratio. To me, what's equally impressive, though, again, all the star power on his own team that he had to go against, and it's already a quarterback dominated award, and somehow Troy Aikman doesn't have one. Right? There's there's been a few guys on this list where I scratch my head about how do they only have one. We'll get to a few of them later on, actually. Uh, and the fact that not only does Troy Aikman not have one, but Emmett Smith is the only Cowboy to have an MVP. I don't know. Maybe that played into it more than it should have for me. Either way, sounds I mean, like we're moving on Tom Brady. That feels like a big story. At the same time, this individual season is not as impressive to me as Tom Brady's individual season. So straight up stats comparison and what they were able to accomplish for their team that year. Tom Brady's more impressive, man. It's just... Sad but true, kind of in a way, you know? And Very much so. The 90s Cowboys era, it was completely stacked. You're right. But that does kind of hurt the individual awards, I guess. 
so yeah, Tom Brady's moving on. And we have a all running back matchup next round with 2012 Adrian Peterson up against 1958 Jim Brown. This was pretty close. Uh, social media did end up going with Jim Brown, though. And hand it off to you guys. What do you say? This one's tough for me because I love everything Jim Brown did. But there's one thing that sticks out to me with Adrian Peterson in this 2012 season. He was coming off an ACL injury, and this was back in the days when a lot of people considered an ACL injury not being a career ender, but severely hindering your ability, especially as a running back, to come back and effectively run the ball. Adrian Peterson comes back and damn near sets the single-season rushing record um, in his first season back. I, I'm leaning Adrian Peterson here. I don't know a ton about the uh, 1958 Cleveland Browns, but hey, a fullback winning an MVP, you got to love to see it. So, yeah, I was worried about that. I think a lot of people like to fantasize about Jim Brown, if that makes sense. And they build him up so much. And, yes, he's labeled as a fullback, but it's very clear that getting the ball in his hands was very much a key part of Cleveland's offense when he was there. I get it. I get why people want to vote for Jim Brown. I get why they want to go that direction. But if you ask me, it's got to be Adrian Peterson. I even did a little bit of math to see, you know, average per game. And if Jim Brown would have had 16 games, if he had, you know, beaten Adrian Peterson, and he doesn't, right? You look at the touchdowns too, sure, he's got five more touchdowns, but again, fullback you're absolutely giving him the ball in those short yardage situations you expect him to get those touchdowns in short yardage situations and the browns were just a better team in general in 1958 than the vikings were in 2012 also got to say too a little bit of love here for adrian peterson being the last non-quarterback to win the award in the modern game i understand why people are going with jim brown i don't hate it but I'm going with Adrian Peterson. Unfortunately, that is still two to one, Jim Brown. So Jim Brown's moving on here. I've oof, that would have been a tough one for me. I'm glad it didn't come down to me. Say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but our next matchup here is 1995. Brett Favre up against the Snake, Kenny Stabler, 1974. What do you guys think? I guess I should say who social media voted for. That was Brett Favre. Uh, but what do you guys think? I think they got it right, 100%. I think Kenny Stabler had a great season, but I don't know how much of it is the numbers don't compare to Brett Favre, uh, especially when you're looking at the passing yardage. You know, the touchdown numbers, that's honestly impressive for the amount of games he had. But I think he's also hurt by the fact that he doesn't have the name. Right. Everybody, when you say Kenny Stabler, we're like, oh, yeah, that sounds familiar. But nobody's thinking of him at the top of the list of quarterbacks. Right. Brett Favre is a guy that consistently comes up at the top of the list as far as quarterbacks. And he earned it. And 1995 is one of the years where he kind of started to cement that, that he absolutely earned being one of those guys. Is anybody else shocked that Ben just voted for a Packer? No, because he's uh, a realist. 
Okay, either way, I agree 100%. I was just expecting to have more of a debate over it, but uh, yeah, uh, he said everything I was going to say, so. Question um, on Brett. Brett Lorenzo Farm is moving on to the next round. And our next matchup is Johnny Unitas in 1964 up against John Brody, the oft-forgotten John Brody, honestly, because after him was Joe Montana and then Steve Young. So, kind of understandable. At the same time, this guy's still a Hall of Famer in his own right. And uh, what a matchup here of old-school QBs. Social media did go with Johnny Unitas, but I don't know. Let's see what you guys think. I think social media got it wrong. I think you have to go with John Brody. Uh, there's not a single statistical category unless you want to, you know, say, oh, he threw for more interceptions than Johnny Unitas. Okay, cool. He also threw for more touchdowns. He also had a higher completion percentage. He also had more yards. His team did better. I, I, Johnny Unitas won on a name, right? This isn't the same situation as Ken Stabler and Brett Favre. Ken Stabler straight up didn't have the numbers to go against Brett Favre. John Brody does. I... I don't, I don't get it. This one was 100% going with the name. I get it. We we gave you all the information that I'm literally going off of to make my decision right here. So, come on. Yeah, I I agree completely. I look at this and I don't necessarily agree. You think these are same era guys too? So it's not like you can say, oh, it's because of the era difference. No, no, these guys six years apart played the same kind of era of football. Um, I, I don't, I don't see it, man. I I'm with you, Ben. It's, it's John Brody for me. Yeah. I was going to say something if nobody did, because yeah, John Brody certainly seems to deserve to move on here. And don't worry if you think that we're doing Johnny United's 30, because we've just eliminated him in the first round twice. Uh, he won three MVPs in his career. And he has a pretty favorable matchup next round. So hang tight. <laughs> we'll actually talk about it here in a little bit, too. Exactly. Hang tight. But John Brody's going to be moving on right now. And I think that's certainly fair. But next matchup is Aaron Rodgers of 2020. So the season before this past one. Up against Boomer Esiason. And this was our biggest blowout of the week on social media. Aaron Rodgers uh, absolutely destroyed this matchup. And I, I really wish I'd never looked up Boomer Esiason's real name, because now I know that it's Norman Julius Esiason, and that makes me want to hope that Aaron Rodgers moves on. So what do you guys think? Ben, it's going to take a lot for you to convince me not to move on Aaron Rodgers. I don't even know if it's possible. These stats don't compare. Touchdowns don't compare. But here's the stat that sticks out to me the most, is the 70.7% completion percentage. That is an absolutely fantastic NFL season. I don't care what era you played in. That is worth noting. I'm going to give you your shot here, but uh, are you going to leave me speechless again? The Bengals went to the Super Bowl. (laughs) That they did. So moving on, our next match. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for not leaving me speechless yet again, by the way. (laughs) I have standards. We have Earl Morrill of the 1968 Baltimore Colts up against Thurman Thomas of the 1991 Buffalo Bills. And, man, social media was 
kind of a blowout again. Thurman Thomas took this one handily. What do you guys think? So I've been wondering why I've been seeing so many fumbles from running backs back in, you know, the 90s and bef- any time before that. And then it finally clicked on me. They're allowed to hit a lot harder back then, and that almost changes that fumble stat for me even just a little bit uh, because of the punishing blows some of them had to take to be able to to live. Um, man, I love Earl Morrill. Uh, he was down in Miami. Uh, for the 72 season. But I don't know. Looking at it, I think you had made the argument last week that this era of Baltimore Colts was very similar in that all the quarterbacks kind of played the same way, right? They all had the same thing, very similar stats across the board. So that makes me doubt that it was the quarterback here that was the most valuable player. But 91 Bills, Man, if only they could have put together one of their four straight Super Bowl appearances, we'd be having a different conversation here. But I, I think I'm going to lean Thurman Thomas, but I I could probably be swayed if, if needed. Well, they did appear in the Super Bowl in this season, the AFC champions. No, no, no. I said if they could have put one of them together. Like, I oh, mean, okay. All right. If yeah. they would have won it this year, would yes. have been a, a slam dunk. All right. I get yes. what you're saying. Hmm. Just under 3,000 yards in 14 games passing. Versus 2,000 combined yards. 2,000 change, I should say. You would expect maybe one or two more touchdowns. Yeah. I don't know. I think I'm going to stick with Thurman Thomas. Uh, A lot of the reason the Bills were so successful is because of what their run game was able to do between Thurman Thomas and then later O.J. Simpson. Maybe I have that backwards. Regardless. O.J. was well before Thurman Thomas. Yeah. It was uh, 70s. Whatever. Their run game, (laughs) Thurman Thomas, he's moving on. Fuck it. I'm done. Okay. (laughs) What a great podcast this is. So, next matchup. We have 2008 Payne Manning. Up against 1975, Fran Tarkenton. I thought Fran Tarkenton's stands were going to show up in mass. That's how it usually happens with these sorts of things. Uh, didn't really end up happening. Peyton Manning does move on here, according to social media. But what do you guys think? I mean, Fran Tarkenton almost got it. He won it on uh, Facebook, and he almost had it on Twitter. So, I mean. So, he, he won it on the old people's social media. That's cool. <laughs> it makes sense, right? <laughs> Man, this is tough. Um, and I wish I wish social media had gone with Fran Tarkenton because it would make my life so much easier. Because here's the thing. This is not peak Peyton Manning, right? This is honestly middle of the road Peyton Manning. 27 touchdowns is a bad season for him. Um, they didn't even win the division that year, and that's that's saying something. But Fran Tarkenton, back in the day, was the Minnesota Vikings. He was the reason they had the success that they were attempting to have at the time. I want to move him on because we have other instances of better Peyton Mannings, but I don't know if that's going to be enough to sway you guys to pull you over to that side as well because, to me, a lot of these stats, honestly, are are more comparable when you you, uh, account for the game difference 
But even that, you'd assume, cool, maybe another 400 yards for him. And then the era difference. So if you're talking three, just under 3,000 yards in 14 games in 1975, that's, that's a big deal. So that, that's kind of where I'm at. But I understand if uh, you guys disagree. And we're, we're looking at this, too. I mean, it's, he's more than two full points lower complete, completion percentage than Peyton Manning, and he only had one more interception, same amount of touchdowns, and oh, you know, over 1,000 fewer yards. I, honestly, it's tough for me to not go with Fran Tarkenton as well. I understand, uh, too, that this brings it down to you, Doug, and you've kind of – Said, so, uh, you're not so much, you know, a Fran Tarkenton fan a little bit, but when you look at it, I don't remember saying at, that honestly because well, I you were just call, calling about all the Fran Tarkenton fans. I mean, I mean, expect me to say I, that doesn't mean I'm not one. All <laughs> 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 because I'm hating on the Fair fan enough. base doesn't mean I'm not in the fan base. Um, no, I love Fran Tarkenton. I think he's great. I also agree with Doug that this is probably one of Peyton Manning's worst seasons that he could have won MVP in. Like, I don't understand how this one happened. Um, also, kind of a long Tug's line of thinking, a thousand yards totally makes sense to me. Difference because of the era and the extra games, like those two together, that totally makes up a thousand yards for him. These are basically even seasons with one fewer interception, and you got a friend to man. Dude, come on. I'm totally all for moving on Fran Tarkenton, and it's, it feels disrespectful at this point because you know, we've just this is two separate instances of yeah, going it, against social media polls this round. But, but it's been a while to, since we've gone against social media, so this is okay. I mean, all right, I'll take it. It's been a while or not? I think it was uh, well deserved in both instances, right? I don't. Come on. Johnny Unitas over John Brody with those numbers? Are you kidding me? Right. So we're moving on Fran Tarkenton, man. I'm excited. I love to see it. So next next matchup here, we have 2011 Aaron Rodgers. I think we're about done with Aaron Rodgers instances. Uh, up against 1997 Barry Sanders. Now social media went with Barry Sanders. And, I'm not uh, going against social media. Made my life real easy. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Um, Let's hear an argument, though. What do you got to say, Tug? This, this was peak Aaron Rodgers. This season would have been his best chance, I think, looking at it for him to move move on. Um, forty-five and six—that's outstanding. Fifteen and one—that's amazing. Again, just under seventy percent completion percentage, and then forty-six hundred yards to boot. Ah, uh, I, me being honest with you guys, I know I'm not going to sway Ben here uh, at all. There's uh, less than 0% chance I am successful at that. Um, I would be moving on Aaron Rodgers in this matchup. Ooh. That's tough for me because I'm looking at that 6.1 yards per carry. That's just so freaking good. And I know they finished third place in the division that year, but at the same time, the Lions are probably going like 0 and 16 that season without him. Yeah, that's that's why he retired. Right. <laughs> but like I said, Ben already said he's going with Barry Sanders. I know, but I'm trying to make yeah. it somewhat of an argument here because it's it's for it's a conversation worth having. This was yeah. a really good season for Aaron Rodgers. 
I would say it's between this and the 2020 season for his these are the best two seasons he ever had in his life. Yep. It was 45 touchdowns, six interceptions. That's amazing. So is 6.1 yards per carry and 2,053 yards on the ground. I mean, what in the world? If only they kept running it and he could have more scores. Right? I know. I know. If only if they only... could have done anything. I mean, they scored two total touchdowns in that playoff game against the New York Giants who would go on to win the Super Bowl against guess who. It's just at some point people need to stop fucking making excuses about his defense not holding up. You scored 14 points at home in the playoffs. It was 31 degrees there. Wait a minute. This was the year of like the infinite field goal kicks too, wasn't it? To end the NFC championship game. That's what I'm looking at right now. Uh, I remember the Giants won won on in overtime on the field goal. Yeah, this was the game where both kickers just kept missing the kicks. Right, and it was it was hilarious to watch. Barry Sanders is moving on. I mean, facts. Yeah, (laughs) but it was. It is actually a good conversation to have. I know you hate Aaron Rodgers, but you have to admit this is a pretty fantastic statistical season. So, anyway, that's the end of that. <laughs> I won't make you say it. I, I know you know in your heart. If any other player... I'll, I'll say it. If it, was, if it was Brett Favre, I'd fucking say it. I will not say it. I will not say a positive thing about Aaron Rodgers. I didn't ask you to. I'm just... I, I know you didn't. I'm just driving the point home. It's not happening. <laughs> All right, so anyway, next week, we're going to see some more matchups. Make sure you go vote in our polls. They're going to be up on all of our social medias, as I keep calling them here, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Next week, we have another eight matchups. Lamar Jackson in 2019, the number two seed, because he was unanimous, but remember, he was the second ever unanimous MVP. He gets the number two seed here against 2003 Peyton Manning. Uh, honestly, probably a better season than his 08 year. <laughs> so, tough Not matchup. Not saying much. Tough matchup for him. Uh, next one, we get the third Johnny Unitas here, 1959, up against 1972, Larry Brown. It's a tough matchup, too, honestly. I mean, it's a matchup for sure. <laughs> uh, next up is the battle of 1960s quarterbacks. I've been looking for something like this. Uh, closest we got was not exactly two 60s guys. But here's a battle of some no names, if you will. Y.A. Tittle, Roman Gabriel. You only heard of them if you actually understand NFL history. So that's cool. Love that because people don't talk about them anymore, even though they definitely won MVP and uh, I mean, had some really great seasons. Roman Gabriel won in a very nice year. Oh, yes. He's oh, going to yes. have a very weird advantage over Yachtitty, as I um, like to call him. Yachtitty was Why couldn't like... Yachtitty win in 1969? That would have been... Well, if he had won in 1969, he would have been uh, 52 years old, I think. Like, dude legit was in his 40s when he won MVP for the first time in 1963. It was insane. Suck it, Brady. Right? (laughs) Next matchup we have is the third instance of Jim Brown, I believe, 
1965 here, up against 1987, John Elway. This was Elway's only ever MVP. That and was very weird to me when I was going through all this stuff. I know. Why did Why did they only have 15 games? I don't know. Okay. But it's true, and I triple-checked that and then checked it again because I also found that to be weird. As long as I'm not alone. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Next match we have. Ladanian Tomlinson. Blast from the past on that one. Man, fun to see his name again. 2006 there. Up against 2002, Rich Gannon. The Beast from Oakland. <laughs> that no one remembers. Damn. Uh, so, this is the year Ladanian Tomlinson broke the uh, rushing touchdown record. Mm-hmm. And I want to come back to talking about him and Rich Gannon here in a second. But I also want to go backwards here in a minute as well. 87 was the strike season. So there were some games canceled. They started with replacement players. And so I think that ended up in a shortened season. I mean, fair enough. Well. If you're looking looking at 15 and a fucking tie, disgusting. Right. <laughs> but what were you going to say about Latanian Tomlinson? Or do you want to keep going through the matchups first? Yeah, Latanian Tomlinson. I mean, this was. This was beautiful because he broke – well, he set the record for most uh, most rushing touchdowns. And it's – it was a crazy string of years for running backs. We'll just leave it at that because I think we got the guy that he either broke the record of or that broke his record the next year. I don't remember exactly how it went, and I was just looking at these earlier anyway. So let's keep moving on here. I would say he probably – broke this next guy's record because we're talking about Marshall Falk, right? Who won the MVP in 2000. He's going up against 1992 Steve Young here. This is our second time seeing Steve Young in this bracket as well. Yeah, this is not who I was thinking of. Let me, let me pull up the... Yeah, because uh, the last matchup of the day is 05. And that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. We'll get, so let's, we'll let's get to him in a minute. Yeah. Keep going. Because our, our penultimate matchup here, Kurt Warner, 99, up against Matt Ryan, 2016. This is a actually a, a very close statistical Warner. matchup, honestly. I know, right? Baby face on that guy. And he I was still like 43. I love that I was able to find a picture from 99. I, I love that. the Puma jerseys. I know I've talked about this a right. few times, but this – Everything about the 99 Rams aesthetic is just perfect. And I really miss the 2016 Falcons jerseys compared to what they have now. Compared to the gradient jerseys? I know. I know. I wish Matt Ryan could get back close to this 2016 form. Honestly, losing that Super Bowl really messed him up. So the Falcons. (laughs) You're not wrong. Our last matchup that we'll be talking about next week, Cam Newton, 2015. Up against who I guess you were thinking of here, Sean Alexander. Sean Alexander. 2005, uh, 28 touchdowns was something else. And he, this is what was so crazy is Sean Alexander had set the record. I believe this is how it went. And I assume because he won the MVP that this is how it went. But he set the record in 2005. And then it was broken the very next year by Lindanian Tomlinson, who, I mean, you saw he had 31 total touchdowns. He only broke the rushing touchdown record by one. 
just an absolutely insane time for running backs. And in the middle of that one. Three extra touchdowns because we're counting total touchdowns and receiving touchdowns right now, too. But, yeah, rushing touchdowns broke by one. You're right. Yeah, it was just – it was crazy to see. And, uh, you know, not talking about Cam Newton too much here, but this is – this, this was is Cam, Cam Newton, Cam Newton. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> this is uh, Cam Newton in his final form. This is this is the guy <laughs> everybody was, was drafting number one overall in fantasy right. drafts all over the world. You know, like this was, man, and then he just gave up in the Super Bowl. This was um, the Cam Newton that we saw briefly in Florida uh, with uh, that killer offense. Oh no, we gotta stop making that joke. I love it every we can't, time. We can't stop. We can't We're stop. Contractually We're obligated stop. to continue making that joke. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that Sean Alexander season simply because that Super Bowl was absolute BS, and the Steelers should never have won. And uh, you know, know we landed like on the cover. Look who landed on the cover of Madden and uh, didn't have such a good year the next season, right? The Madden curse was in full effect for Sean Alexander following right. the season. And I don't, I, honestly, cool. yeah. I don't know if Madden curse hit anybody worse than Peyton Hillis, though. Uh, well, Peyton Hillis basically didn't have a good season that year in the first place. So I don't <laughs> think it's the same. <laughs> we went from record to out of the league. Versus, um, he broke 900 yards to out of the league. <laughs> As a fullback, he broke 900 yards. That's saying something. It... He was the backup running back, too, and ended up starting half the year and got like 900 yards. He got on the cover of Madden because he broke two tackles in a single play, and Cleveland yeah. went nuts. <laughs> These are he got on the cover of Madden because they wanted to have a fullback on the cover of the game because he Madden also got on the cover of Madden. Those things. He also got on the cover of Madden because I voted for him like 900 times. Oh, so you're one of those Cleveland fans that went nuts. Back in the day. <laughs> back when the game was playable. Right. Right. And back when I cared about the NFL, but that's neither here nor there. Let's go ahead and wrap things up. Um, yeah, we have a pretty awesome practice time next week, and we're going to have some more discussions on potential cap casualties, some cap situations. I know Doug's dying to get into that stuff. That's his expertise. We're going to delve into some of that. We're also going to get into my expertise, talking about the combine, which I know Ben's a little bit excited for, too. We had a Memphis guy really show up, and we are going to try to single-handedly get him drafted in the first round. So that's our goal now. Calvin Austin that's, is first-round receiver. Goal, huh? and, if uh, we do, I want an endorsement from him. If we can get that, I want it. I want him to sign the endorsement that if he gets drafted in the first round, he'll shout us out on the stage in the draft. Always the commissioner. Go follow Big Dudes in the Trenches on Twitter. That, that's all I'm asking for. It's pretty simple. <laughs> Not even money, dude. Right. That would be wholly impressive, and I don't see it happening, but, you know. <laughs> well, I don't see him getting drafted in the first round either, but we can try. So that's, that's so that. <laughs> But that's a next episode topic. So I don't know if anybody's really in our chat. It's been mostly just us talking to each other today. 
Um, I know the last couple episodes we've had a few people following us live on Facebook and on Twitch. If you want to do that, you can certainly join the conversation. We basically drop what we're talking about and talk to you guys if you want us to. So feel free to follow us on Twitch, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, everywhere you can think to find us. We'll find you too. Uh, we also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash football. If you sign up, you can get access to a bunch of weird things that we like to do, such as uh, data analysis of college football and uh, the Discord server that nobody's in yet because y'all haven't signed up to Patreon yet. So hop in there and we can have some football discussions, why don't you? <laughs> also, we have a website, uh, bdtfootball.com. I have a couple of mock drafts up there right now. I'm waiting until the combine is over before I release my next one. So stay tuned for that, folks. It'll be up before we record next episode. It's also looking like for the foreseeable future. One a day. We went on Thursday last week. We're here on Friday this week. We're planning on sticking on Fridays unless we get a lot of feedback saying we need to go back to Thursdays. And if that feedback means we can get some of you guys involved with the show with us, definitely take it under heavy consideration. Uh, before the foreseeable future, we will be here on Thursdays. I'll be on uh, Fridays. 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 We'll be yeah. here on Fridays. Yep. Uh, on Thursdays, though, I plan on still being live on Twitch, so be sure to check it out. I've been uh, getting into Mutant Football League. It's kind of a remake of an old Genesis game, ironically made by EA. Uh, this game is not. It's an independent uh, knockoff of the Mutant League football made by EA for Genesis back in the early 90s. And I'm having a lot of fun with it. You can also catch the AGU Madden games on the BDT Twitch channel as well. That's twitch.tv backslash big dudes in the trenches. Yeah, it's uh, I'm having a lot of fun with Mutant Football League. So much so that, Doug, you were watching it last night. You bought the game too. What do you think? Ah, uh, dude, it's it's a better game than Madden. And I think the exact phrase I said, it's a better game than Madden, but equally frustrating. But it's only frustrating because of how hard they've made the dynasty. Well, that's a good yeah. thing. I appreciate hard dynasty modes, as long as they're a little bit realistic. Oh, 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 no, not at all, dude. It's hey, your team starts at forty overall. You have three seasons to win a win the uh, championship. You can only make three free agency acquisitions to start, and then one every week after that. And you have a budget of one hundred thirty-nine million dollars. However, the names are fantastic. <laughs> well for all of that go ahead and check out those streams as well sounds like loads of fun i'll need to tune in one of these days i've been unavailable the last couple of times but you know i've gotten the notifications at least notifications <laughs> on baby it's a good start yeah yeah get those noties on because i absolutely plan to be going live every thursday to do some more uh dynasty mode i'm very much in danger of losing all my money before, uh, before <laughs> that's what i'm saying dude yeah so uh before we get out of here though uh what state is known for exceptionally really small soft drinks rhode island minnesota, minnesota. there you go <laughs> somebody was there for it all right ladies and gentlemen that is all the time we have on the show today thank you for listening and just remember you can't win a game if you can't win the trench. <laughs> Thank you.